Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Cabbage Corp podcast began. Hey, this is Josh. And this is Christian. And welcome to the Cabbage Corp podcast. The Cabbage Corp podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Head to anchor.fm slash cabbagecorppod to find the podcast app of your choice. Also, for our Korean listeners, don't worry, we are also on Podbang. If you like this episode, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. We love to hear from all of you guys, so leave comments and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Welcome back, everyone, to the Cabbage Corp Podcast, episode 3. 21 days in, 3 weeks in. This is going to be great. <laughs> it's still going. Okay. All right, so last week we left off on episode five where he meets, where Aang meets his friend, Boomy, and Boomy tells him what Aang has to do when he has to, before he faces the Fire Lord. And this week we are going to get into episode six, seven, and eight. And Christian, I know we get into a nice rhythm of things by talking about our power rankings and what's happening right now, mm-hmm. but before we go and start that... <laughs> I do have an apology to make to our dearest Cabbage Heads, to all the millions and millions listening at home. Yes. In episode one, I incorrectly stated that Aang was so surprised that anyone could get up to the air temples, but the Fire, the fire Nation, in fact, came up there and committed the genocide through war balloons and um, through maybe even the kind of gizmos in which they, they hook up and go up the... The cliff. That is false. I was made aware that was false by a rewatch of it because the Fire Nation, in fact, discover and invent war balloons after the inventor that they um, have under capture invents war balloons for them. And so this is thanks to the Super Carlin Brothers video essay. It's got to shout them out. They, they stated that um, how the Fire Nation probably got up to the air temples in the first place was by using dragons to transport the Fire Nation army oh. up there. And so they did not have the technology of the present day in Avatar The Last Airbender because it was 100 years in the past. And so I'm sorry for disappointing the millions of, of loving and adoring fans already. We are... Um, no, not even Christian sorry. I am incredibly sorry. <laughs> it shan't happen again. It probably will happen again because there's a does, lot of stuff. We will. We will yeah. let you guys know. Please We're, we're going to do a deep Korean bow apology when yes. we get the video function up. I'm crying right now in the studio <laughs> and just uh, really remorseful and sorry. But with that said, on episode three, we want to talk about a recap of episode two and how our favorite characters are ranking these days. So yes. how do we figure it out? What, what, what was happening? What's going on? So currently, Aang has two points. Zuko has one. Katara has one. Uncle Iroh has one, and Sokka has zero. Which was an improvement because he was at a yes. negative one in Better. after week one's episode. Mm-hmm. We'll see after this episode if he gets a point. Gotcha. Catching up, hopefully. And we talked about this. I think it's still a pretty new um, kind of device here. But because we split up the episodes in the way that we do, mm-hmm. the points given out are not necessarily the reflection of exactly the episode but who we thought won our overall three episode arc so it's an interesting kind of proposal i think in today's a little little spoiler warning for even today's podcast but i Mm -hmm. feel like it's going to be a much more balanced point differential yeah for sure i feel like 
these next three episodes kind of give everyone a platform to, I guess, be a part of the power rank. You know, yeah. like it get, it gives the audience more of a chance to get to know um, the characters in depth, and I think those will um, influence the power rank. Let's jump into episode uh, episode six. Actually, before that. I wanted to mention how last episode we did not include the Avatar state total. So, as of right now, before episodes 6, 7, and 8, Aang has gone into the Avatar state three times. This episode starts with the trio encountering an earthbender. Later, we find out that in a small earth village, they have been oppressed by the Fire Nation for five years to not bend, and have also been treated poorly by stealing the little money they make and taking their natural resources. If these people, specifically earthbenders, fall out of line, they are sent to prison. Later in the story, the earthbender they encounter has been taken to a prison, and this is when we see the trio in action, which is fueled by Katara's passion for justice. This episode ends where the earthbenders that have been imprisoned revolt against the Fire Nation and escape. So let's get into our quotes. We start off with Sokka. Shouldn't we run away from huge booms, not towards them. A quote from Katara. I lost my mother in a fire nation raid. This necklace is all I have left of her. And this is a conversation that Katara and Sokka had. You giant-eared cretin. Momo, you have some big ears. Great. From my portion, this is coming from Haru's mother. Earthbending is forbidden. It's caused nothing but misery for this village. He must never use his abilities. A Fire Nation guard. That lemur! He's earthbending! Actually, Christian, can you read the Katara one? This is a big monologue by Katara. It's, <laughs> it is, in fact, her Braveheart speech, and I want to hear this come okay. out to play. Earthbenders, you don't know me, but I know you. Every child in my water tribe village was rocked to sleep by the courageous Earth Kingdom and the courageous Earthbenders that guard its borders. Some of you may think that the Fire Nation has made you powerless. Yes, they have taken your ability to bend, but they can't take away your courage they should truly fear because it runs deeper than any mine that you've been forced to dig, any ocean that keeps you far away from home. It is the strength of your hearts that makes you who you are. Hearts that will remain unbroken when all rock and stone has eroded away. The time to fight back is now. I can tell you that the Avatar has returned. So it is time to remember your strength, Earthbenders. It is time to fight for your freedom. Katara, I'm not leaving. I'm not abandoning these people. This episode was pretty eventful. It was, I really liked Katara in this. I think it really highlighted her really well. Yeah. And yet you start off with a Sokka quote. So can you yes. explain what's important about what Sokka's saying right now? I think it's so funny. Mm. So in the beginning of the episode, Katara, Aang, and Sokka are like just trying to find food in the wilderness because obviously they're like kind of just trying to stay hidden and they hear this loud boom. Uh -huh. And they're like, what is that sound? And Katara and Aang like instinctively run towards the sound and Sokka's like are you like <laughs> what what's going on and I think this is so funny because you see these moments from Sokka and I think you see it in like a lot of tv shows there's that one realistic person yes. that's like what are you doing you're supposed to walk away from right, this right, right. situation and I think 
it, it was a really nice um, start to this episode. Yeah, and we have those two benders who are like just running towards the danger in Sokka, of mm-hmm. course, who has to be more strategic and methodical in his thinking. It's just like, why are you running towards the freaking mm-hmm. loud noise? Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, Sokka is somehow more mature than Katara and Aang in this, in this instance. I don't know if it's because mm-hmm. of wartime thing, but it's a nice flip. Yeah, I think that's the side of Sokka we do see a lot is mm. Katara and Aang, I guess, might be emotionally more mature. Yes. I guess, but when it comes to just like realistic things, Sokka's very on point with that. And right. I think, like you said, it has to do with his exposure to war and the responsibilities that were put onto him. And he was tra- he's training to be a soldier, so mm-hmm. of course he has to think like this. Yeah. Uh, the second quote I really liked from Katara is this necklace is all I have left of her and I believe that this is the first time she mentions the necklace and why it's so important. Like yeah. we see her wear it all the time and you don't really like think anything of it. Right. But in this episode, she kind of sheds light on the importance of what this necklace means to her. So Shout out my guy, spoiler alert, Grandmaster Paku, who... <laughs> Almost had us in the first half, but came back strong yes. and showed us. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but yes. showed us that it doesn't matter what age you are, you can still learn things. Anyway, yes. the next one. <laughs> I loved this quote. This is really funny. This is really funny. I love really funny. this interaction because this is when Katara is trying to get arrested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're. Katara and Sokka are hurling insults at each other, and Katara's like, you giant eared cretin. And while Katara is being dragged away by these, like by the Fire Nation guards, Sokka starts holding his ears and he looks at Momo and he's like, Momo, you have some big ears. Like he's so offended by this fake fight. And I think it's, it's so funny that in this moment of just like, Aang's face is so like devastated. He's like, oh my God, Katara's being taken prisoner. But Sokka's like, are my ears really that big? <laughs> are my ears really that big? Yeah, like, yeah. why was that insult so easy for you to say? <laughs> yeah, Katara's getting taken away as a prisoner of war and, and Sokka's just like tugging his ear and making sure what it He's is. Like, oh. <laughs> Let me say this, as a big brother, no one can hurt you like your little sister can, okay? Are his ears big? We need to do a, a deep dive on this. It's not that big, yeah, yeah. When he was tugging on it, I was like, it's not big at all, right, but... Right, right. You know, in he this, reads too much into it. In this exchange too, when Katara goes earth bending form and then like puts her arm out so um, she can trigger the rock to mm-hmm. flow. It's like this crazy anime style too, which is really funny. I think in that. Um, this one, this was the first one I chose. Earth bending is forbidden. It's caused nothing but misery for this village. He must never use his abilities. Okay. Again, what we talked about in episode two and one, how they mix up the humor of the Momo's ears going into straight up like, this is the cost of war on yeah. these on these families and on these kids, and you see the the kind of sorrow that this mother carries about our family that's been stripped apart. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Haru uh, Haru and his mom. Do you think Haru is supposed to be Korean? Is Haru like Haru? Oh, I actually didn't think about that. I'm not sure. I think Haru like Haru and Haru might be like a um, common Asian name mm-hmm. or something yeah. like this. I don't know if it's Korean, but I I choose to think he's Korean. Yeah, I mean, and, I could yeah. see that. Let's go. Yeah. We we just Koreans. Yeah. Yes. You know what? Ding Haru, you're the one number one, and Haru's mom, and Haru, yeah, Haru's dad. That's three. Ding ding ding. <laughs> Boom. Anyways. Oh my god! All these people are gonna come at us like, no, he's not Korean. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, we're just making Koreans out of everyone. It's better if you're Korean. No, maybe not. Okay. No, moving on. Moving on. 
this is so funny because like this is the first time where we see humor out of the Fire Nation, right? Yeah. Outside of maybe Uncle Iroh before, you mm-hmm. know, but from a soldier, after Katara, earth bending forms this thing yes. up. They look towards it, and then it looks like Momo was lifting the rock up, mm-hmm. and then he's so it's so dumb when he goes that lemur. He's earth bending, and it the same way that Zuko does this every episode where you're like the even the Fire Nation villains are three dimensional people. Mm-hmm. You see that these guys are kind of dumb and kind of funny, and they can yeah. have a joke or two. So it's, it's very Sokka-like. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very I'm Sokka-like. Sure, oh, that makes sense because I'm sure some of the soldiers are Sokka's age. Like they're young kids that just have to be put into war. Absolutely. So yeah, I think this episode was nice. Like the beginning was very. It had a lot of comedic relief in the beginning. Definitely towards the end, it was like very. Revolty and like you yeah. know, kind of just empowering all the people that were oppressed. Um, but I really like the start of this. I think um, this sets a nice tone for the characters, the trio, in how they, I guess, deal with difficult situations and how they help people. Because like in even in the midst of them going through this difficult time of like sacrificing Katara basically to yeah. go to the prison they just try to not be as serious yes. and I think it's interesting because if you think about this wartime it's so scary but they're just kids and they're just trying to get past it and yeah. I think it was it was a very nice it was like the first 15 minutes right like almost half of it that it was a nice there. change of pace you're right it, yeah. it felt like in the same what they do all the time it's like a uh, like a lightness that that has to be mixed in with the mm-hmm. war. Also, we shouldn't we should count how many times um, we say they were ki- they're just kids. I know. <laughs> I, know. I feel like I say that so much. I think we said that so much the last episode. Yeah, yeah. They're just kids. We'll be saying that the entire time, and also until that's, they yeah. don't they aren't kids, which is like Cora. Right? Shout out Cora. Yeah, Cora. Um, that's a new a new name of our podcast. Is they're just kids? That Avatar: The Last Airbender podcast. <laughs> Okay, I want to set you up for this one. So I was going to cut this quote down to like size, to bits, Mm -hmm. to to just one line. But I think it should, even with my rewatch recently and watching this episode even today, it's really impressive that this is probably the longest monologue, the longest piece of um, speech that any character has without being interrupted in the whole show. At least in in my my Mm -hmm. approximation. And because it's a speech. It's a very brave art speech. They're building it up with like or like or like um, kind of like orchestra music and making sure like it's like a brave heart anthem right here. But we'd see Katara kind of take a step up here, and I thought it's important that even though they kind of played it for laughs at the end, where the guy kind of coughs and no one really wants to step up, mm-hmm. it's important for Katara to showcase this kind of leadership. Yeah, and I think this is the first episode we where we see her passion really like yes. set in. I mean, we see it with her relationship with Aang. She's very passionate for his growth and the justice that he will instill yes as the avatar but this is the first time where katara's like it can't just be him kind of thing like it it needs to be all of us and i think um yes it had a weird ending and i'm sure she was like embarrassed i was embarrassed for her when i I was like oh girl i've been there i've been there i've been (laughs) corny as hell giving speeches (laughs) in my life um but i really like this too because um yeah this is the first time you see her like step up in a sense where you get to see her intelligence too yeah like 
showing that kind of how she, she just was so well spoken during the speech and I think um, it was really nice and I don't know if it's it, it's like matters I guess but it was just nice for the girl to do it in yeah. the group too just to set that tone right so. because to um, even within the prisoners themselves most of them if not all were men yeah, right, who were all, captured right? yeah most of them and so knowing that kind of some of the sexist mentality that exists in her own tribe probably exists in that universe as well for her to get up and then say this in a prison yeah. is actually inspiring and I wonder if it was a guy, it'd be different. Like the response. Ooh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If it was... You're right. But Sokka does make a speech later and doesn't go over too well in the mm -hmm. first time. But... but I wonder if it was like like Haru's dad. Like if he gave yeah. that speech, like what is that difference? I mean... That but he does be... have a, the voice of God, yeah. which, is, <laughs> which helps. More on that later. Yeah. Okay. So. No, that's a, that's a really interesting point. Okay. I, I love that. Um, the last one here. It just it just kind of reinforces that um, when after so this is after Katara makes her speech mm -hmm. and Aang and Sokka this is um, when they give her twelve hours to kind of inspire the troops but they don't they kind of fall through mm -hmm. and they're like we have to leave we actually have to get to the water tribe and, and, and find how to water bend and Katara says I'm not leaving I'm not abandoning these people and that's really important right there because yeah. in this whole thing they know what their mission is overall but Katara refuses to sacrifice the one which yeah. is. Um, an important part of all their journeys. The next, even the next episode in episode seven, we get to see the, um, I guess like struggle in certain characters to follow the bigger mission yeah. or sacrifice that time, even if it's like time sensitive mission. Yeah, they kind of opt to help the people that they love more than the overall mission. And I think this is the first time we see that in Katara. And I think. It really sets the tone for her, and I'm sure, like for Aang, that's such a good, like role model for him to have yeah. moving forward with his job as the Avatar. The episode starts with the trio traveling on Appa when they encounter a part of the forest that has been destroyed by the Fire Nation. Now, very close to this part of the forest, they encounter a destroyed village due to the black and white spirit who takes people during the night. While trying to save Sokka from being taken by the black and white spirit that night, Aang ends up in the spirit world. In the spirit world, he is visited by Avatar Roku's animal and almost meets Avatar Roku, but chooses to save Sokka instead. While this is happening, we see Uncle Iroh getting captured and escape Earthbenders, who intend to make him a prisoner of the great city of Ba Sing Se. This episode ends with a new mission, to talk to Avatar Roku on an island in the Fire Nation. Alright, hit us with the first quotes. It's Aang, he says, Why would anyone do this? How could I let this happen? It's the Avatar's job to protect nature, but I don't know how to do my job. This is an earthbender soldier. He's no ordinary soldier. This is the Fire Lord's brother, the Dragon of the West, the once great general. And Uncle Iroh, I acknowledge my defeat in Bossing Se. After 600 days, my men were tired and I was tired. Aang, hello, spirit, can you hear me? This is the Avatar speaking. I'm here to try and help and stuff. Sokka, this isn't right. We can't sit here and cower while we wait for some monster to show. He still shouldn't have to face this alone. 
Aang. You are Avatar Roku's animal guide, like Appa is to me. Uncle Iroh. It's five against two. You're clearly outnumbered. That's true, but you are clearly outmatched. Damn. I love that ending. Oof! Oh. All right. This the first Ang quote breaks my heart. I know. This is anytime Ang gets like this, it really it hurts my soul because he's such a pure, awesome, caring person who mm-hmm. who loves all living things. Yeah. And it's also because he's just so free spirited and he's always so happy. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's such a good point. That's such a good. And point. so when he gets sad, it's like oh my god, it's it's. Putting his spirit down, and that's yeah. really hard to do. So, um, but I think it—it's just a reminder that Aang, regardless of his age and regardless of his goofiness, he understands his responsibility as the Avatar. And I think it was really a good reminder for like me to realize that too, because sometimes when you watch him, it's like, oh, he's just like, oh my god, I'm gonna say it again. He's just a kid. He's just, he's just playing around, but. This quote really shows us that, like, yeah. he knows his responsibility. Yeah. And it is very humbling when he says, like, I don't know how to do my job. Oh, man. It, yeah, you're, you're right. It just hurts because, again, like, he is in actual, uh, not actual age, but in real-time age, younger than what most avatars find out that they are the avatar. So mm-hmm. he's just yeah. a kid. And I think it's it's uh, it foreshadows also... The connection that nature has with the spirits, right? We see yeah. that again and again. But because the whole forest is destroyed and burned down, Aang feels this, this um, the death and des- like desolate nature of that, mm-hmm. and he's broken about it. Yeah, and it this quote is such a polar opposite to the beginning of the episode when they're all on Appa and they're like, yeah. "Oh my God, the clouds! I wonder how they feel." And they're like, "Let's like okay, like it's." A- Sorry, it's a conversation between Sokka and Katara, and they're just talking about how the clouds look so fluffy, and then Sokka's being his sarcastic self. Yeah. He's like, why don't you just go on it? And out of nowhere, Aang's like, I'll do it! And he just jumps off of Appa, goes through the clouds, comes back, and Katara and Sokka, before they can even react, he's back, like, soaking wet. And they're just like, did you just do that? Like, oh, man. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of a lot is... Uh, in Mulan, when they're marching off to to war, the girl we're fighting for song, and then they're like, "The girl worth fighting for," and then all of a sudden, like they're about to go, like, "Girl worth fighting!" Bomb! And they drop the bomb, and then they see all the skeleton bones of oh all the people. God, yeah. This is what they show us all yeah. the freaking time so well. Oh my god, that is so true. It's like every episode you get hit by it because you see the Fire Nation, it's just fucking destroying yeah. things, villages, people all together. Ugh. Yeah, wow, that's... Oh my god. Again, I just... Okay, I just need to say this again. They're just kids. Done. All right. (laughs) I know we love this next quote. I know you love this next quote. Oh my god. Talk to me about it. Okay, so... I love when Uncle Iroh is like... In some way, like, respected even by everyone else. Like, they know how powerful this man is. They know what he was, I guess, like, capable of. But I think it's just really satisfying for me regardless of if he's fire nation or not like to kind of prove them wrong yeah kind of like you were once great general iroh and even with um commander Zhao, he was just like oh like you were good but it's like he's still amazing he just 
has humbled himself a lot from that war. And I'm sure that has to do, spoiler alert, has to do with the passing of his son. Oh, man. Um, which I want to get into a little later. But this is the first time we see his name. So Zuko has banished Prince. But Uncle Iroh has Dragon of the West. Oh, fire. What is fire. That's such an amazing Love name. It. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, I was we, like, damn, Dragon of the West. Yes. Yeah. And we'll see it, I think. Um, oh, man, it's so many good Uncle Iroh moments coming up mm-hmm. where you see that he is just the master firebender. And um, I cannot wait till we yeah. explore the Dragon of the West. Yeah, for sure. The next one, another Uncle Iroh quote. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge my defeat at Bossing Say. After 600 days, my men were tired and I was tired. And I think, like, that's. Like, this is a conversation. So, this is right after the Earthbender soldier is saying how, like, well, you can defeat Bossing Say. Yeah. I guess Bossing Say was greater than you. Like, kind of s- smug yes. and putting in his face. And Uncle, I was like, bro, like, I can. Compl- that's. I acknowledge that. Like, I had the white flag in my hand and I walked away. And I think like that's really hard for a general to do. And I know if Commander Jai was in that situation, he would have never ever oh, for sure. talked to the soldier like that. Right. He would have definitely fired back. But I, I love Uncle Ira's humility and I think that's how just smart he is. He made himself seem smaller than he actually was. For him to have an advantage later on. Because after this quote, he says, I was tired. And he says, I'm still tired. And he literally falls off the horse. And he leaves a trail of his stinky sandal. Shout out that stinky sandal forever. Yeah. But I think that's important um, that I acknowledge my defeat at Bossing Shay. Mm-hmm. The Fire Nation here is, I mean, while it's a kind of an amalgam of different Asian cultures, it represents an imperial Japanese like kind of colonization force. And the big thing about colonization is that you cannot, the colonizing force is the supreme, not only military power, but cultural power. And so for the once great general of that nation, the next heir to the throne to admit that, even in his old age, I was defeated at Ba Sing Se. Mm-hmm. And now we get to, I mean, we find out later that his tiredness was because of the death of his son. Yes. But um, you see... He says this with such a great respect for the Earth yeah. Kingdom. And that transfers in all the things he teaches Zuko. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you said that even in the beginning. Like, he's he acknowledges his defeat, but not even his defeat. He doesn't focus on his defeat. He focuses on how great Ba Sing Se was to not be defeated. Yes. And I think, like, that that's his point of view. It's not, oh, my God, how could I fail? I'm weak. It was like, no, I, I know I'm strong. I know that I am an amazing like Bender, yeah. but Bossing Say just held their ground, and I respect that. And right. It was, it was. That's honestly what I love about Uncle Iroh, and we just see it throughout. I didn't realize how long he was on siege for. It says six hundred days. That's two years of consistent siege on one city. Mm-hmm. And then um, the funny thing I read was like, but they're kind of earthbenders, so even if you break down the wall, like they can kind of fix the wall in like a, a day or so. Mm-hmm. So 600 days undone in kind of 24 hours. But it's mm-hmm. uh, kind of the life of these damn benders that we can never become. <laughs> this is the end quote. The hello spirit, can you hear me? This is the avatar speaking. And he says it with such uncertainty and mm-hmm. kind of um, doubt in his voice. And this is, as I think Uncle Iroh is a huge part of this episode, thankfully he is. Mm-hmm. 
Aang goes into the spirit world for the first time that we see on um, on kind of the screen here. And this is a part of it as he tries to protect this village from a spirit who doesn't know why he's angry. Mm-hmm. The scary black and white spirit, which actually looks terrifying. And just, it does. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, bye. Love, shout out, hey, bye. Always love, 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 love always. But um, Aang was a really unsure avatar. This is his first mm-hmm. time dealing with a spirit that's upset and angry at people. Yeah. And I think um, this is a really good setup for his journey. Yeah, and this is the first episode we actually see him going into the spirit world. Like, it, until this episode, we were we didn't know it was capable to go into the spirit world. Either. Yes. Like, we just knew spirits. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It exists, but we never knew, like, oh, there's a, another dimension you can enter. Right, right. And I think... This was pretty cool. It wasn't just like visions or things he like slightly saw. It was like he was in this world. And I think um, it was really nice how they kind of put that in there without giving us too much information or overwhelming us. It wasn't like he's like meditating. He's like, I need to get into the spirit world. He accidentally went in. And I think... um, What a great way to show it too. Yeah. He approaches Qatar so disappointing because he's like... I let you guys down and they can't see him, right? Yeah, and you could clearly tell something's wrong because he's blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, oh. Um, My dumbass was just like, I don't know, maybe he's like fucking cold or something. <laughs> <laughs> he got hit by the spirit. Yeah, he got hit by the spirit. He's blue all the time. It's fine. Uh, oh, I do want to mention, I know we bag on Sokka a lot, but this is actually a low-key, strong Sokka episode. So mm-hmm. Sokka, when Aang is out there because the village is like, this is the Avatar's job. Sokka's like, he shouldn't be doing this alone. Mm-hmm. And he goes out there with his dumbass boomerang, knowing that he probably can't do shit against the spirit. <laughs> but because he has genuinely developed a love and protection over Aang, mm-hmm. he's out there. And I think Sokka, we've seen now in two episodes in a row, him as strong support. First for, for Katara when she wants to save Haru and his family. And second for Aang when... And who is probably the best equipped to deal with spiritual danger? Sokka's like, me and my boomerang are going to do whatever it takes. He got wow. snatched as, as, as kind of a, a, an outcome of that, but he still has his heart out there for Team Avatar. Mm-hmm. It just really shows that even though he doesn't express it as much, he still has the same heart as Katara, that they both just want to support him. Yes, so. such a strong yeah. thing. Sokka has those moments. This is when... The next quote, your avatar Roku's animal god, mm. like Appa is to me. This is when we see the spirit blue form of Avatar Roku's dragon Fang approach him and then kind of s- stick one of his like uh, like antenna, like what is it, mustache antennas? <laughs> wow, that's a horrible. I need to find a better word for that. Uh, respect to the dragons. But it, it like touches him on the forehead and it kind of takes him into a trance and seeing where Avatar Roku has been. Yeah. And um, I just watched another avatar video essay shout out hello future me i believe and this talks about how ang and appa's connection is as much like roku mm-hmm. and fang's connection where yeah. fang protects i mean dies with roku as a symbol of like they are bonded forever yeah. the same way that appa and ang are bonded together forever yeah and i think it this is the first time we see that the relationship that ang has with appa is more than we realize like it's like a bond now that when he passes away appa will be there in spirit kind of thing too uh when appa passes away why 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 did you say that he doesn't pass away (laughs) i know he actually doesn't (laughs) yeah he doesn't pass away hey hey kids hey kids uh appa went to the countryside he's very happy on the farm 
Christian, Christian he loves farm. His hay. Yeah, he loves his hay. He's, he, he's got so much hay. It's awesome. Um, this, I, I, just one more note. When Fang dies, the fact that he goes into the spirit world even as a living creature, animal, mm-hmm. is strange. It's it's very rare. The same way that spoiler, when Uncle Iroh dies of old age, he lives in the spirit world eventually. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna talk about that later. Okay. Well, After the episode, because gotcha. I ended up looking into that because of this episode of Uncle Iroh's, like, his relationship with the spirit world. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but I think maybe, I don't, I don't know, maybe it was just because his animal kind of died with him, sacrificing his life. Because So they're bonded together. Maybe it was forever. because of that, because I believe when Avatar Roku died, he died in that, like, ball. Volcano, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, and... I'm pretty sure Fang like covered him up yeah. too, so they died together. Um, no, that's really important, and I yeah. think um, because they're bonded together even before their their death mm-hmm. of dying together in the, in the same place, and there's a sort of always spiritual nature to the Avatar, even after they reincarnate, that they mm-hmm. always can come back. That there's an aspect of that the Avatar's animal guide will always be there in spirit form mm-hmm. with them, which is yeah. a very comforting thought. Yeah. Um, the last quote here. Is uh, first Earthbender soldier goes. It's five against two. You're clearly outnumbered. And Uncle Iroh with the hammer line says, "Yes, that's true. But you are clearly outmatched." Oh. And you just see, and you get to see the Dragon of the West really mm-hmm. go ham. Before we saw him shoot fire from his feet, which we'll see other Firebenders do. Yes. But Uncle Iroh as just this force. He's like half naked. You know, he's wearing I don't barely a loincloth. He's wearing some <laughs> weird like. BDSM chains <laughs> that they tied him in. He's like kind of into it, which is strange. But Uncle Iroh, Zuko versus the world. Give me that yeah. any day. Yeah, for sure. I love that that quote. Like, he's so wise that he just knows when to show his authority to. Because he was very just kind of chill throughout the whole entire um, episode. You're right. He's, he's like never captured. worried. He's, yeah. never, he, he's never worried, but also he never provokes them until this end part when he knows... Like, he smarted him to know, okay, I can do this now. You know? Like, just waiting. And I think that that relates to King Boomy, too. Like, them oh, two. Oh, interesting. Like, King Boomy knows when he is outmatched, and he's not frustrated by it. Yeah. He will wait until the time's right. And that's the same for Uncle Iroh. And that's why they in the White Lotus. Okay? Oh, man. <laughs> Look out for a future favorite quote, which is going to be when Boomy says, all old people know each other. Yes! yes. Oh, my God! I love that. Hell, yeah. It's so amazing. The gang are booking it towards the Crescent Island in the Fire Nation so Anne can communicate with Avatar Roku during the solstice. With Zuko telling them, they run into Admiral Zhao and a Fire Nation naval blockade. With some flying heroes from Appa, and a fierce airbending ability by Aang, the gang arrive at Roku's Crescent Island. They quickly realize that once the once Avatar-friendly Fire Sages have pledged allegiance to Fire Lord Ozai and the Fire Nation Empire, one Fire Sage, Shayu, still loyal to the Avatar, leads them to a statue of Avatar Roku where Aang finally meets his past life. The episode ends when Avatar Roku explains Sozin's comet, and Aang goes into the Avatar state and escapes on Appa with the gang. Okay, let's get into our quotes. Um, Another Sokka quote to start off. I love it. Sokka's really. This is this is a strong Sokka episode for the Cabbage Corp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, like last episode, it kind of when Aang has to go through dealing with this um, black and white spirit, Aang said um, Sokka kind of supports Aang when. 
Aang doesn't want Katara and Sokka to go to the Fire Nation with him. And Sokka's like, at least not without your friends. We got your back. And that's the start of the episode. Like Sokka's like, hell no, you're not going without us. Strong Sokka. Yeah, strong. Really strong. Um, And then the next quote is from Zuko. I'm chasing the Avatar. My father will understand why I'm returning home. So sad. And I wanted to add Uncle Iroh responds. You give him too much credit, which is the saddest state of affairs. And just a, um, a note of context, Zuko is warned by Iroh that he shouldn't chase the Avatar into Fire Nation because his father told him, if you show up here again without the Avatar, you will be killed on sight. And so Zuko, of course, believing that his father loves him, thinks that I'm just doing the mission you told me, Dad. I can go into this Fire Nation. He'll understand. And then Uncle Iroh is the one who has to remind him again. The next quote is from Aang. And it's a conversation between Aang and Katara. That's exactly why I didn't want you to come. It's too dangerous. And then Katara says, and that's exactly why we are here. Yes. Yeah. Team Avatar is really shaping up. Yeah, really. Like, they're constantly... Um, I guess giving Aang that security that they're just going to be there by his side. And um, we continue to see Sokka and Katara say that because I think Aang understands that they could get hurt. Yeah. And I think when I, even the Sokka quote from the past episode when he's saying that he shouldn't be doing that alone by himself. It's an interesting thought because you're right. Aang needed that reinforcement to understand himself as a full avatar because every avatar needs a team avatar. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in the future, there are certain parts where Aang looks at the group and says, I'm sorry, this is something I have to do for myself. Mm-hmm. But he can only get to that point of being confident enough to go out there by himself, actually like ready. He's always ready, but actually like powerful enough to do things by himself because his friends have given him that confidence to yeah. do so. Yeah, for sure. And we see that later on, like even... The group, as much as they support Aang, I know at the end they want to fight and battle all like together all the time. Mm-hmm. But Aang has to kind of put his foot down too. And he's like, no, there are certain things, because I'm the Avatar, I need to do alone. Yeah. And I think we get to see that balance later on when they all end up maturing. Especially spiritual stuff. Yes, especially spiritual yes. stuff. But I think they acknowledge that too. Yeah. Like, they're just like, you know, he just needs to be in his little... Do you think our friend group is like that? I want friends like this. Oh, for the most part. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think we're pretty good. Yeah. Hey. Friend group. <laughs> friend group. We need a... You know what? The friend group name is now the Cabbage Heads, because you guys all listen to the podcast. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out Chubb, Cat, David, JJ, Albert, all of During the time when um, the Fire Sage is kind of explaining to the Avatar or to Aang, why majority of the fire sages kind of turned to just follow. Yeah. Um, the fire lord was because Oof. they just waited for so long and they kind of just lost hope. And Aang is just like, they were waiting for me. And Sokka's like, hey, don't feel bad. You're only a hundred years late. Oh, oh my God. And like, the thing is in the cartoon, Aang's face isn't distraught. He's just like looking at Sokka like, okay, like, you need to stop. And I think it lightens the mood yeah. because it redirects that pain and it just makes him annoyed at Sokka. And I think, like, so good. Sokka so does good. such a good job with that. Yeah. That's actually... 
Strong Sokka episode. I know, a strong Sokka episode. Because so- you're right, Sokka is, is inappropriate at times, a lot of times. But here, Aang is feeling so guilt-ridden and Sokka essentially takes that guilt away and puts it, and turns it into kind of like annoying and like anger, which is a little mm-hmm. better than guilt. And yeah. I think Sokka, I want to give him some credit here and be like, he knew that he was doing that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And here talking about the very fire sages, mm-hmm. um, Zuko and no, it's, this is Admiral Zhao when they're trying to open up Avatar Roku's kind of chamber, mm-hmm. and then they're all trying to do firebending into it, and then he goes, "Why isn't it working?" And the head fire sage goes, "It's sealed shut. It must have been the light. Avatar Roku doesn't want us inside." Mm-hmm. which is a really interesting thing to say. These are very spiritual people, of course, the fire sages are. It reveals that Avatar Roku is alive in mm-hmm. a certain sense, you know? And we see exactly in terms of what form he takes later, but that the kind of spirit of Avatar Roku is so vibrant in this temple and still in this mm-hmm. Avatar universe that they're like, Avatar Roku doesn't want us inside, yeah. and that's why we're not inside. Yeah, and I think that shows that even though they did lose hope, um, they still respect Avatar Roku in the sense where it's like they know that they can't cross that line. Because mm. even after like um, when Avatar Roku like opens the door and all these things, the fire sages know automatically to just run. They're like, we really upset him because obviously they betrayed him by going against Aang. And I think um, it's a really sad moment, I guess, for them. Because they must have been like, we've waited a hundred years. And now you're here and it's like, we've already given our allegiance to someone else. Nah, F that, bro. You're giving them too much credit, bro. I'm I'm just saying it's probably a really sad moment for them. Knowing that they were called for something bigger than to follow the rulers. And they fucked up. Yeah, they did. They really did. And I think it's, it's just really sad for them because they're just like damn like we really messed up and yeah there's nothing we can do about it now all we can do is just walk away you hear that kings and queens listening at home don't be trading away your spiritual progress for some earthly powers right Ooh, now okay. yes. bang, bang, bang. <laughs> they're just kids y'all bang, boom okay, <laughs> okay the next, next quote. <laughs> the next three quotes are from avatar roku it's good to see you hang why did it take you so long <laughs> Listen carefully. Sosin's comet will return by the end of the summer, and Fire Lord Ozai will use its power to finish the world once and for all. If he succeeds, even the Avatar won't be able to restore balance to the world. Aang, you must defeat the Fire Lord before the comet arrives. I know you can do it, Aang, for you have done it before. Oh, I love that. For you have done it before. His past lives are with him. Hell yeah. How yeah. powerful. This is the first time where Aang gets in touch with his past avatars. Yeah. And I think like with Avatar Roku, it's just like he gives him that confidence. And on top of that, in episode five, King Bumi gives him what he needs to do. Ooh, okay, okay. Right? Okay. And now Roku gives him something even more specific. So yes. there's like a clear timeline. You need to defeat the Fire Lord, but you need to defeat him before the comet. And before you get to the Fire Lord, you need to master all elements. Mm. So it's like there's a clear timeline now of what he has to do. So it's not just, oh, when do I defeat the Fire Lord? I don't know. It's like, no, you need to do it before the comet arrives. Right. So I think... That in itself gives the audience also a timeline. It's like constantly just so shaping good. itself. And so I think good. it's kind of like 
a little backwards like in a lot of shows it's like they give us a timeline and then we follow it yeah, but yeah. we're learning with Aang what the timeline has to be for the end of the episode that's good you know and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people say this is this is the part of storytelling right the exposition the explanation of things mm-hmm. when Roku says Aang you must defeat the Fire Lord before the comet arrives at the end of the summer that is such a clear A to B destination that Aang needs to accomplish. And for like you know, you said, for the viewer watching that you're like, that's not a lot of time at all to do everything mm-hmm. that like we've barely started to unpack the universe and already Roku's like this, this evil Yeah, this evil, evil guy is about to finish the world as you know it. Even the Avatar can't restore the balance. And yeah. this is your mission now. And I think that's great. Yeah. And also the way that Avatar Roku talks to Aang is so comforting because Aang is this is a part of himself, right? This is a, a world where they believe the reincarnation of a spirit is alive with an angst. So he's untapping a part of his own past. Doing yeah, this, right? love that quote. Why did it take you so long? I know. <laughs> it's like a hundred years, man. I'm old. Oh, yeah. I've been waiting. I mean, this, and we'll talk, we're looking forward to, to, to rewatching Korra with you as we go along, but Korra takes so long to get to, yeah. get, to, to get to meet Aang for the first time. But yeah. here... And I mean, this is what episode eight, right? Mm-hmm. And but then it's so important that he does because for every avatar, they their wisdom and power just increases tenfold after yeah. that happens. And also, I think it's specifically more important to Aang because he has been gone for a hundred years. Like they need to like Ooh. pick up the pace. Like you need to meet um, Avatar Roku. Well, in Korra's case, like she's no, she knows what's going on in the world right yeah, now. Yeah. She kind of like. You know, it's a different kind of battle she goes through. Right, right. For Aang, it's very much, I guess, like, more so time-sensitive just because he lost so much time. Gotcha. So. And he's still catching up. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely has to catch up on a lot. And, like, I think it's such a great way, way to end the episode because we don't leave. We leave the episode feeling like, okay, now there's a clear goal. There's yeah, a clear yeah. timeline. Nothing's going to be, quote-unquote, dragged on. And there's, like, that initial questioning. When is the comment? Yes. That's yeah, the yeah. big question that appears. Like, when is this comet? Because we don't know when this comet is happening. But they said every hundred years yeah, it would yeah. come. So you know, like, it's going to happen this year, but we don't know when. You know, it's How like- convenient, showrunners, <laughs> that we're just around this hundred year period. Yeah. So it was it was fate that Aang... Was unfrozen. Yeah, was unfrozen. Because imagine he was unfrozen one year later. Yeah, yeah. It'd be over. It didn't matter if the Avatar was alive or not, you know? Don't Are you trying to make this a point about Katara winning, winning the episode again? <laughs> you know what? I wasn't, but maybe I should. Okay, so we're going to wrap everything up and just talk about the key points for each episode. For episode six, the first point we wanted to talk about is... The head prison guard in this episode was voiced by George Takei. Takei. And he's also the voice of the first ancestor fought in Mulan. The main ancestor like ghost you see. And um, I just thought that was super interesting. George Takei, you fucking beauty. We love you. You're a legend. Please live forever. George Takei, famously um, a very, 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 very gay Japanese-American man. And also was the voice of Ricardio the Hard Guy in Adventure Time. But also he got, he was his first like breakout, breakout role was in, uh, he was the first Sulu in Star Trek. So that's where John Cho kind of picks up oh. Sulu in the, the remakes because George Takei really set the bar for Asian Americans and he's been doing this for a long time. He seems to always, or 
probably other people seek him out to like really add a this really respected voice in the industry and i yeah. think it's fun that he just gets to play like the villain in this but he's like yeah. funny as hell you know yeah for sure and it's like his voice is so distinct like when i heard it i was like i have heard this voice yeah and i like paused it and i was like hold up and i like i just search it up and i'm like he was definitely the voice in mulan like i That's know because i yeah. i watched mulan many times the Asian American God, George yes. K. We love you, George. All right. Um, the next point is about Haru. He is the first Earthbender we actually encounter. Read the second part, Christian. <laughs> oh, I did not write that. <laughs> we meet him later with a sick mustache. And you know I'm what? sure that was. <laughs> you know, Haru is Korean. He, he has a mustache similar <laughs> to mine. So, so shout out Haru. <laughs> shout out Haru always. But he's, yeah, and. Just the force and the sound that they go to, we've never encountered in the Avatar universe before. And Katara feels this in later about what the Earthbenders um, mean to the rest of the Avatar universe. Like even in our small water village, like they tell legends and stories about the Earth Kingdom mm-hmm. and Basin Say. And so for us to encounter Haru for the first time, a, a character that only comes out one more time after this, really, yeah. it's it's important for him. It's it's a cool reminder that this universe keeps getting bigger. I love how they do end up bringing him back because it shows like that mustache. no <laughs> not that but it shows that the trio definitely like we know that they had an influence on these people but you don't realize how much they influenced them until they all come together at the end yeah. to be like I'm supporting you guys because you guys helped me and you guys gave me hope and we see that later on and I think um I think that's why honestly the series like did so well too. They always brought people back. Yeah. And they connected them in such a great way that it made you really like follow their story like a a nice just journey with nostalgic memories in it and realizing that yes, they make mistakes, but because their heart was always in the right place, it bared fruit. Yeah. No, I'm with that. And it didn't feel always like fan service, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it was all yeah, for clear. sure. Okay, so the reach of the Fire Nation and the reach of war, I think uh, just seeing Haru's village and mm. how these Fire Nation, essentially gangsters, right, come and like still extort money from these villagers um, at the threat of basically pain and violence and all that mm-hmm. stuff is, is just another reminder that even amidst like how funny Sokka can be and how lighthearted Ang can be and Katara can be, like, they're under occupation by yeah. uh, by a military um, evil, and I think that's man. This show does such a great job of reminding you of the stakes. Yeah, and it, they did mention how long that they had been there because Sokka asked. Because I think for Sokka, it was kind of like, when could it be the Southern Water Tribe? Like when you know, mm-hmm. like kind of territorial. Like he's a soldier. Like in his head, he's like figuring out like how much are they still conquering over and what are they going to start doing yeah and for this village it was because of their coal like they wanted the coal yes, in this village okay. so they kind of occupied it um Ooh, good note so, yeah and the coal comes into play later as well mm-hmm. which is interesting yeah uh, so it was for five years they had taken over and you get to see that if it was five years after like the hundred year war that just shows that they're continuing to advance yeah, it yeah. hasn't like the fire nation hasn't plateaued in where they want to expand they're consistently expanding right, right. and i think that just shows that this war it seems as if quote unquote the fire nation won but they're not stopping until until they literally take over everything yeah um so that was definitely uh 
reminder. Yeah, and this is what warring powers do, is mm -hmm. they rob resources from the people they conquer. Yeah. Uh, Christian, do you want to read your next point? No! Okay! <laughs> Side note, I'm not the person who started cursing on this pod, You okay? started it! No! Okay. I, I was I trying cursed, to keep this PG. I cursed once. You cursed many times in this episode. It, okay. It's because you allow the license for for cussing to start. I haven't even heard these words before you said it to me sometimes. <laughs> Am I teaching you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I feel like one of your students right now. It's just like, oh yeah, Christian, tell us what, what, what are the words to say. Well, this, this is what Christian wrote. She said, that old dude sucks. Fuck him. This is the old dude that was fucking trapped in the, in the mind. I know. The mind this fucking bitch. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm, no, you know, old people are great. Most old people are great in the series. This old guy is you trash. You face, old, annoying guy that will just complain about everything. Right. So this is when um, this old, I mean, classic old damsel in distress, <laughs> he's caught at the, at the entrance of a mine, the mine at a cave-in. His legs are trapped underneath. And Katara demands that Haru earthbend the rocks out of the way so mm -hmm. he can escape. What ends up happening is that the old man identifies Haru to the Fire Nation police and yeah. get him arrested and thrown into prison. Yeah. Do you think this was a setup? Was that clear? No. I think it's just this shows how much everyone feared the Fire Nation. This is obviously very sensitive, but for when like the Nazis came in. I'm yeah. sure people that weren't really, didn't even need to acknowledge the Jewish people, they did. They called them out because they were so fearful what yeah. would happen to them if they found out they knew. And it's kind of just like guilty by association. Like they just knew that if anyone found out that they knew that there was somebody else that in this situation was earthbending, they would get hurt. And I think it just showed that yes, this old man sucks, but the fear was so strong that it was kind of like every man for himself. This place is not what it used to be, and it's not loyal to the earthbenders anymore. Yeah. So no, and it's yeah, a, it's a it's a sad state of affairs. You're right. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you should have died in that shaft, old man. Okay, you're <laughs> fucking lucky. All right, the voice of Tyro. Haru's father is also the voice of the lion turtle at the end of Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh my god, I did not know that. The voice of God, yeah, yeah. His okay. name is Kevin Michael Richardson. He uh, went to Syracuse, like yours truly, and the god Carmelo Anthony, and so he's close to my heart. But when you hear his voice, you're like, oh, this guy's like iconic. He's like, <laughs> what, what's his deal? Like, I need to follow this man. And eventually he uh, is inspired enough by Katara and Haru's actions to join the fight. The prison guard actually states this entire place is made of metal. And so there's nothing for you to bend. And this is when I heard the music of Toph ring so clearly in my ears and mm -hmm. my heart. Because Toph really changes everything. Yeah. And this, th yeah. Yeah, this shows that the Fire Nation didn't think he was capable that mm. this could happen. But this is the same thing when later on we see with bloodbending. Like it's such a unique and like very um, hard level of bending to master yeah and that it doesn't even seem plausible right, right and i right. think we see that in when we deal with katara i'm not katara tough and then later on with when katara learns yes i think oh it's so good because it just shows that the bending consistently advances too and this is how amazing the universe that we all love is it's just that 
the universe is so rich we're still learning so much about it and they're still laying like a trail of breadcrumbs to be like oh but you haven't seen anything yet mm-hmm. you'll see how yeah. this revolutionizes and should there be another series i think we can see uh like an evolution of that as well like mm-hmm. you said and i think it really goes to show how much we advance it mm. will always come down to like in their case like the four elements like your natural resources it will always come down to that and i think you see that in the metal bending with top like she is able to distinctively sense that there's earth and metal yeah and that it comes from earth right right for this metal to be formed so yeah grandma top we love you (laughs) and finally ang in a in a war session meeting with katara and sokka when they're trying to figure out how to bust haru and his father out he says, I wish I could make a tornado. And he, along with Korra in the Avatar state, and much like Roku in the past, kind of levitate on this air tornado, and we'll see that soon enough. And I think that's kind of how Aang, when he goes into like full you know, Dragon Ball Z, Super Saiyan mode, chooses that as a mode of uh, transportation. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool that the, the writers kind of, kind of clue us in little by little. Yeah. Going into episode 7, um, something I did want to mention is for episode 7 and 8, the title was The Winter Solstice Part 1 and Part 2. Now, as a title, you don't really know what the solstice is, but in episode 7, that's when it's first mentioned. Mm. And um, this is a quote from, I believe, the head village man. He said, the natural world and the spirit world will grow closer together and closer until the line between them is completely blurred and he shares this because he's very fearful that the black and white spirit will um create more damage when the solstice arrives which is what we see in the next episode it's literally the next day right um or i believe in like a couple days because they have to travel but um this is where we get to see the importance of the solstice and i love that i think they include these moments of heightened um i guess for the spirit world it's heightened there and for like um we see sozin's comet it heightens the firebenders um ability and i think um yeah i really liked how they kind of mentioned it without us realizing how important this little part was so yeah um next point is no bending in the spirit world big very big yes i wanted i was like why is that like, why can't you bend in the spirit world? And it really had to do with, um, for you to bend, you need to not only be in your physical body, but it's like, they say like a chi? Like, okay. um, like an energy thing? Yeah, like an energy thing. But because if you're in the spirit world and it's only your spirit, your physical body can't create that energy, so you can't do that. Oh. Which is why in Korra, when they she enters through the portal, she yes. enters with her physical body, which is why she's able to bend. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we see that because uh, Korra's uncle actually says that, like, shouts that as a taunter, like, had you entered through the spirit portal, like, this way that you opened, then you would have been able to bend like I can here. Mm-hmm. I think you see that when uh, his kids, Esme, Esme and Desna, come through the portal, they can actually water bend yes. right away. Yeah. So it's... Coming up, Korra stuff is really interesting to see how they expand it on the spirit universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really liked how they just kind of just put it out there for us. Because, like, Aang was just... It wasn't as if he was, like, fighting anything. He just wanted to travel um, using his airbending. And he realizes, oh, my God, I can't. And we don't don't really get a clear idea of why, like, really ever until, like, Korra clearly explains it to us. But in this, it's like... 
you just assume that's the rule. Right. And you don't really question it because it's new to you and it's really overwhelming. But I love how they um, didn't explain it to us because then I feel like our focus would be having so many questions about the spirit world when that's not the point of this episode. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and, they do a good job of just show not telling all the yeah, time. Yeah, and is I think important. that is a good balance between what we see in Aang's world and Korra's world. Like, Aang's, I guess, like, difficulties aren't really necessarily with the spirit world. It has to do with his role in the world. Yeah. Uh, while in Korra, we see a lot of her issues have to do with the spirit world. I love it. Um, the one, too. Yeah, I think they did a really good job balancing that, too. So, I wanted to talk about this. Uncle Iroh sees Avatar Roku's dragon. Woo! So I was like, I always remember this scene, but I never questioned it until I was like, hold up. Like, how is he able to see this dragon? Yeah. He was so in tune with the spiritual world. Yes. So he was able to see that. And I think that really goes to show that, like, it doesn't matter what bender you are. At the end of the day, like, your personality and, like, kind of how you view life and... Um, your sensitivity to things, that's what affects and shapes you and I guess your perspective. And mm. you see that in Uncle Iroh, he is not very... The stereotype of what a quote-unquote Fire Nation person is. He right. definitely has that fiery personality, but he also has a side of him that knows um, when to be in tune with, I guess, his mental state. And that, has, that reflects in the spirit world. Yeah, so I always question that, but then... It comes to no surprise that it was just because he was so in tune with the spirit world. Yeah. And, and we get to see from the bat, he's so wise. He's always very calm and very um, put together. Did you read about, I, mean, I think you're, you mentioned it before, but why Uncle Iroh was able to go into the spirit world after he died? Yeah, so he's actually the only person that is not the Avatar that was able to get into the spirit world. Wow. Yeah, so he was... Um, before harmonic convergence yes before all that um, in his old age he went to the spirit world because he wanted to find his son he wanted to be reunited with his son but Um, why why did he think his son would be there I'm honestly not sure I, I, I mean, was, I trust, I trust Uncle Iroh. If he thinks yeah, his son's gonna be there, yeah, for sure. But I think it was a sense where, um, because we see him later on in Korra, we see Uncle Iroh in the spirit world. We see that scene. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that goes to show he ended up just living in the spirit world after right. that. And I think it really had to like it really showed that he was so in freaking tune with his spiritual sense that yeah. he was able to find a way. Um, I don't know if he went through a portal. I don't know if he was able to find that. But I know I think it was a lot to do with his relationship with the son and he wanted to find that. And maybe he believed he was in the spirit world just because how he raised him. I don't really know like their relationship, but all we knew was he loved his son so much. And he basically not said like lost the word. He surrendered in that sense where he's, I'm going home to my like son. And, um, that's enough for me. That's uncle Iroh. is still in the spirit world today. Watching over us. Thank you, (laughs) uncle. Uh, not the last, but another part was Zuko. Big. This is big. This is really big. Zuko chooses to find his uncle when he's captured by the Earthbenders, then go find the Avatar, which is kind of like we see this moment. We don't really know if he goes to find Uncle Iroh, but... I see what you mean. 
we see Zuko following the trail of the Earthbenders, and he sees Appa flying, and he's like, the Avatar. And then he looks at the tracks, and then the scene cuts. So you don't know, and I'm just like, oh my god, what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't know, but you know it's an important scene because they cut it off there. Right, and right. then it goes back to like what Aang's going through, what Katara's going through, and then later on, um, we see Zuko come and help Uncle Iroh. And I think that's such a sweet moment because, like I said before, Zuko is genuinely a really good person. He just grew in a really difficult circumstance. Yeah, that an abusive him, home. Yeah, sure. and like that forced him to be, quote-unquote, a bad guy. Um, and I think we get to see that like he is very much family-oriented. Mm. And we see that because he also says later on, like, my father will understand. Right. On on a, on a less important note, but also important note, Hey Bai, <laughs> I love me some Hey Bai, the great black and white panda spirit. His um, scary spirit form is actually quite terrifying, and I saw that again yes. today. They picked up this kind of ghoulish, like zombie-looking creature, um, but he's just a panda bear. He's and he and when he walks away at peace, he like makes bamboo um, bamboo trees just sprout up on the ground. Yeah, so it's very peaceful. Always also, hey that scene where Aang shows oh, man. Hei-bai that like, hey, you know what? You can rebuild it. This place. Shows him the acorn that Katara yeah. gave him in the past. And like, now you see Katara's role is very huge. Mm-hmm. A woman's <sighs> wise words. You're right. Okay? The woman's intuition. Yes. Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't it's know a really is. good like episode. This These three episodes are very good for Katara and Sokka. Yes. These you know, they really like... We'll get to it. We'll get to it in yes, a second. Yes, we will. We'll get to it in a second. Uh, the last point here. So, this is something that I found funny. This is the first time when Aang needs to meet Roku. Has to be this grand affair where the solstice allows the sun from the temple to hit Roku's statue face perfectly enough for it to kind of light up and illuminate and get, get Aang in touch with the Avatar spirit. For the first time, really. Zuko, in the episode of the Firebending Masters, where he and Aang go into, like, the ancient, like, Aztec kind of kingdom-looking mm-hmm. thing, kind of outsmarts this thing by just pointing his sword with, the ref- like, old-school reflection of the sunlight into this. So I'm just like, I think that kind of cheapened it after a while. I don't know if there's an extra added effect of that happening, but I remember, like, Zuko being like, oh, like, no, Aang was like, oh, man, we have to wait, like, three weeks? We'll have three weeks. And then mm-hmm. Zuko just like, let me see if I can outsmart it. And he just redirects the light. Yeah. Giving you guys some context, this is an episode far into the future. Yes. When um, Zuko and Aang kind of, like, Zuko joins the They patch trio. it up. Yeah, they, they patch, patch up. things up. Wow, this is a and lot of spoiler warning. I know. I don't know. Maybe we should make a more, a more official spoiler warning in the beginning. Look, we said in ep- the last episode, we said it was going to be spoiler filled. <laughs> if you only skip to this episode and not watch the first two. It's on you. Yeah, that's on you, man. We have an order of things. Please follow it. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, okay. So. Episode eight. The first one, just seeing the gang race the sun, you know, try, trying to make the solstice, right? With Zuko trailing behind them. It's just like a really... I just thought it was a really beautiful shot. I think it like captured what the first arc of the series was. Like Zuko was on their tail. Appa flying through. Mm-hmm. Second point. Appa is the real MVP. Yeah. He avoided all these like fireballs and stuff like that. The entire time gets hit by a couple of them. And keeps flying through like the like the good yip yip buddy. He is. And he saves them at the end too. Yeah. To the point where I'm like, does Appa belong in our power rankings as as kind of one of the main know. characters? Maybe. Well, it's 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 
You're an animal lover and you don't give Alpa the credit here? You have like five dogs, Christian. I don't know. I, I have two. Come on. It's five dogs. Five dogs. I foster many, but foster. you know. <laughs> You're a crazy dog lady. Hey. <laughs> okay, the next one. Um, I thought it was really cool to see Aang fight using his airbending skills when this huge rock was coming towards them without yeah. going into the Avatar state. Yes. And I think this was big because... Yeah, we see at, like Aang fight. Like he fought with the fans. He he's fought before, but I think this is the first scene where it's like he's using just airbending, nothing else, to make sure this huge ball of fire doesn't fall on Appa. And I think it was really good to see. So I mean, obviously we get to see a lot more of that, but I think this is the first episode where it's like not by chance or like Ooh, by circumstance. He's like, no, this rock is not gonna hit us, and he makes it very clear, like right, right, right. it's coming towards them, and it completely explodes, and Aang's like fighting it, and Aang air kicks it, and yeah. the boulder explodes and hits nobody. Yeah, it just goes around right. them, and I think um, this is a, at least for me, I think this is the first time I see his strength as an airbender. Yeah, man. Beyond um, just the like avoid tactic, yeah. and I think that also has to do with the fact the boulder is not a living thing. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. And cannot practice that kind of force against plants, animals, and human yeah. beings. I don't alike. think he really ever does until. I don't, actually, I don't even think this might be does. the strongest airbending that Ang does in this entire show, which is in I, I thought really impressive. Just the scale of that fire rock in itself, mm. and for Ang to just with one air kick. Just yeah. completely blow it to rubble. I thought it was really impressive because, as you said, it's not a chance or a spiritual encounter with the Avatar State. It's yeah. like, this is my pure ability and I'm protecting my friends, which I think yeah. is also important. Mm -hmm. He's triggered by, like, if I don't block this right now, then my friends are going to die. Yeah. And so that always gets the best out of Aang. Mm -hmm. Fire oh, Sages. What do you have okay. to say about the so, fire? So, the Fire Sages. I just liked how they get, gave us this history while they're going on to Avatar Roku's temple um, and just showing why the fire sages ended up betraying yes um the avatar basically and i think it was just a good history kind of review yeah. to show that not all fire nations are evil it is also very circumstantial too to the situation like it's it was a hundred years like it's not 10 20 years they waited a hundred years and this kind of um difficulty to hold on to this hope was passed after that much time where they were like we it was kind of like they just were pushed to their limit as human beings are when they were like i don't think there's any hope in the avatar coming back and i think um you are too kind to these horrible people yeah. these but sages ain't really loyal think, i understand i'm not negating their wrongs i am understanding that sometimes these things happen out of circumstance because the fire stage is like kind of be a guide with like the shepherd yeah, yeah guide, shepherd, yeah, yeah. the avatar but the avatar wasn't around for a hundred years like their identity and who they were supposed to serve is completely gone like right. that toll that it has on them like you know i just feel sympathetic towards that way and i'm not saying like anything they did was right i'm just i think i really like that even this fire stage, he explained why this betrayal occurred, and it, it, um, they, they understand the implication of this betrayal, but they, kind of just shared to show like, they did wait. It wasn't as if the moment that things turned bad, they turned away. It's like they waited, and um, yeah. unfortunately, that was the difficult case. And I think 
that kind of shed light on the simile, I guess, with Zuko, where it was like, it was very circumstantial why he wanted to harm Aang. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're kind of filling in the gaps of how we want to see it. And I think... Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think this yeah. episode, well, at least for me, it showed like that the Fire Nation isn't like innately evil. It's just there are certain people that are super powerful that are evil that create fear. And sure. that is just kind of like a domino effect on everyone else. That's it's that's very it's very powerful. It's very um yeah, profound. The last point. The way that we see Avatar Roku take over Aang's body into actually making this kind of larger than life avatar portrayal of himself is similar to the fact that we'll see soon enough um when Avatar Kiyoshi takes over Aang's body when she, when he's on trial for yes. a, a crime that it does. It's a very mm-hmm. it's actually the identical effect. It kind of has this like hurricane mm-hmm. spinning motion and then you see Avatar Roku like it's like a forty foot Avatar Roku like first doing a fire blast and like setting things straight with the with the fire sages and then um kind of talking in that booming mm-hmm. commanding voice so i thought it was cool that we see that first here and we'll see it again when we see avatar kiyoshi and that shows like there is this connection but it is still very limited and after every single time ang is drained yes like every single time and i think um I guess that was the downside of the disconnect between two worlds. And I think, like, of course, some people didn't like the ending of Korra and, like, that whole, like, change of the spirit world and sure. how it had an effect on the Avatar. Um, but I personally think, like, there is good to that, too. And I think yeah. we see it here. Aang is super drained by the just this one event of, like, not even probably two minutes. Right. But I'm sure because of what Korra does later on, it's different. On to our Avatar State score. Yes. So I don't know if we should include this. Aang technically went into the Avatar State, but it was because... With Roku? Yes, with Roku. I count that. Right? I count that. That's, that's glowing. I think, yeah. He's glowing. He's definitely <laughs> He's glowing. glowing. Yeah, yeah. The glow up is real. Yeah, so... Ding! Yes. <laughs> So far, we have a total of four times. Four and eight episodes. episodes. This is one. Yeah, four and eight. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. That's it's batting nice. 500 over here. Okay, let's get into our power ranking score. This is so hard. Yes. I just want to give everyone a point, honestly. Um, Zuko, not really, I guess. because This Zuko, is not a big Zuko, yeah. Zuko I mean, he does kind of show that he's family-oriented by saving Uncle Iroh, but that's not compared to everything else. Yeah, I yeah. think it's not as big. This is not a Zuko-centered arc. This is Zuko the um, this is the siblings. Siblings are big, so you want to give um, Katara and Sokka one. How do you mm-hmm. feel about that? I personally think that like watching and like talking about the episodes again, like I think they deserved it. Yeah, I so this is how I see it. Katara gets the point right away from the first episode that we come yes. episode six mm-hmm. she does her whole braveheart speech she's alone in fighting for haru and his father mm-hmm. for most of the much of the episode and she inspires these guys to um really pick up their spirits so yes. plus one there Sokka, out of our team avatar so far has the most consistent run i think in these three episodes yeah where he's just comforting encouraging and he sticks up for this for his friends yeah and i think that's that's incredible so Sokka, i think deserves yeah. one there Aang, I give it to it from the last episode because he displayed that airbender ability with the air That's kick. That's true. And he meets 
his past avatars for the first time. That's a huge step. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I would give those three. I think it was really good for the trio. Yeah. These three episodes were good you know, for the yeah, trio. You know, yeah, Team Avatar plus yeah. one for all Team, team Avatar. Avatar. You feel good um, about that. Zook and Iroh. What about yeah, Iroh? What about Iroh? I, I think so, this, is, this is borderline for me. Because yeah. he does get captured. <laughs> he does get captured. But he's so in like control. Jarring. No, but I think this episode was nice for us to know Uncle Iroh more. But definitely, like... Oof, okay. But I really think I it's the trio. It's the trio's like three episodes for me. I think that's... I'm trying to... Because I love Uncle Iroh. I do. And I'm trying to think of like other I'm episodes. I feel like I'm being biased. I know. You know? Because he doesn't have as much screen time as the rest of them. So I'm just like, does he? do we sneak him a point here? So he like mm-hmm. stays in the yeah. competition? But, but I do feel like later on, there are... Even the small moments are really big with Uncle Iroh. I feel like maybe... Because we know how amazing Uncle Iroh is, this isn't like an amazing scene for him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I give it to you. Although the thing he did with uh, my my uh, handcuffs are too loose and then he breathes, Ooh, breathes that fire. Good. That's a good move. That's so good. I just think compared to the trio, the trio kind of dominates more. My only thing. And you know, I love my boy Sokka. I'm like, am I giving him a pity point here? Because, Maybe. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want it to be shit on all the time. Maybe it's like, because compared to the last couple episodes, he wasn't as good. This is the strong Sokka arc. You know, I want to give it to him for, consist- for consistency. Yeah. And I feel like in these, you get to see more of his personality come out more and more. So. Okay. I feel yeah. good about and that I think then. he played a pretty important role in all of this he did. too. Yeah, you know? yeah. You guys capture uh, he well, does, by, but, by Hei Bai. But Hei Bai, he gets to hang out with Hei Bai. Yeah, cool. and also, if he didn't get captured, Aang wouldn't have run after. Yes. He wouldn't have entered the, the spirit, spirit world. world. And I love the end of that episode. Katara's like, oh my god, Sokka, are you okay? And he's like, I just gotta pee. You know, like, he's like, not yeah, yeah. worried at all. He's like, I knew my boy Aang would come get right, me. Like, right, I just... I just need to go to the restroom. Also, it gives us some facts about the spirit world, in which Sokka says later they have no bathrooms yeah. for the for the living, which is big. And you see Aang in the future farming. So they're just like trapped yeah, yeah. in this world, which we see, I believe, in Korra, where there's just like a lot of people trapped. In yeah, they get missed in the spirit vines and yes, stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. But my thing is like, so they're drinking all that tea. They don't got. They they can't pee out. They have no urge to pee. You think the urge to pee only comes when they're back in the living world? Or maybe they need to pee. Actually, I don't know. Maybe was Sokka was a little self-conscious. He didn't want to run away from anything. Pee, come back. His, now that what's going his on. Bladder. He's like, oh my god. You know what, Sokka? Plus one. Plus yeah, one you did a good job. All of Team Avatar, plus one for you. Yeah. Good job, Lynn Coco. We're out here. All right. If you're a big fan of podcasts or want to just show some love and support to the Capricorn podcast, go sign up for Stitcher Premium today at stitcher.com slash premium for only $4.99 a month. With Stitcher Premium, you get access to ad-free episodes, comedy albums, and exclusive episodes from Stitcher. If you just want to check it out and you don't really know if it's for you, don't worry. If you use our promo code WARRIORS at checkout, you get a month free on us. So go check it out. That is the end of episode three of of the Cabbage Corp podcast. We will see you guys next week. They're They're just just kids. kids!